Welcome to Craft Life, Episode 21, Fair Share. In this episode, I'll be keeping it simple. We'll dip our toes into the Creative Commons waters. And I'll tell you what I've been up to this past month or so. All this coming up in this episode of Craft Life, the podcast all about living the creative life. Hello and welcome back to Craft Life, episode 21. Hello all of you returning listeners, and I'd like to say a special hello and welcome to any brand new listeners that we have out there. Well, it has certainly been a while since I have been behind the mic. You know, this podcast is, as I say, all about living the creative life. And there comes a time in every creative life when we come to the creative desert. You know, that that dry expanse, that wasteland where no creative waters flow. And we have to trudge through the desert to finally get to the other side. And that, my friends, has been where I have been this past month. I have had a mad case of podcast block. Yeah, this is the first time I've had to deal with the podcast block, and it's it's not a fun place to be. I'm not exactly sure where it came from or what started it. I know I had some plans for episode 21 that didn't work out, and then things just kind of seemed to to compound upon each other. Maybe it was because Craft Life turned a year old in March. I don't know if that was intimidating or or maybe it was just I hit that nice round number of 20 episodes and then something just came to a screeching halt. Who knows? Who knows why we do come to these less than productive times in our creative lives. But you know what? That is just a part of the package of being a creative person. Actually, if there are any creative types out there listening right now who have never dealt with the creative dry spell, please email me and let me know. Let me know maybe what it is that you do, maybe some tricks that you have up your sleeve to to help you get through these creative dry spells. I have been I've been just switching focus. One of the things that that I think is maybe helpful to do when you kind of come to a to a block creatively is to just switch gears and try something completely different. So I have been doing I've been doing some music composition. I'm working on a soundtrack for for a, a special project that my hubby is working on right now. So I've been doing a little bit of music writing. I've been doing, of course, some knitting. Um, I've also been doing some some paper crafts, but we'll get to all of that in the in the what I've been crafting lately section a little bit later on. I do want to give you an update on that yarn diet. Do you remember the yarn diet that I went on toward the end of last year? I made a commitment not to buy any more yarn by the end of the year. Now, that diet actually went pretty well. I stuck to it for the most part. I did buy two skeins of yarn around Christmas time for the purpose of knitting preemie hats, so I don't count that. And then I also did buy some yarn to finish Adam's Dovahkiin gauntlets. And as that was a request from him, I kind of don't count that either. But that was actually it. That was all of the yarn that I purchased 
through the end of last year. And so far this year, I have not made any new yarn acquisitions either. With that said, the Dallas Fiber Festival is coming up this weekend, the last weekend in March, and that just might be the end of the diet. Now, I told you when I began this yarn diet that it was with a purpose. The purpose was to conserve the funds because Adam and I were looking at making a fairly significant purchase, and that has been another thing that's kind of been engulfing me over the past month. We are in the process of buying our first home, and it's very exciting, and I, I would love to tell you a little more about it as we as we progress through the process and get get closer to to a, a, a final closing. I'll, I'll share a little bit more about that. But just to give you a heads up, that's kind of something that we're, we're doing here in the Craft Life household and something that I've kind of been putting a lot of focus into lately. And now that I've kind of gotten you up to speed on, on kind of what I've been up to, let's go on with the rest of the show. I tend to look for and find creative inspiration just about everywhere. Whether I'm paging through vintage magazines at a thrift store, traveling through the beautiful Texas Hill Country, or taking in a performance at one of the many theaters that are within easy driving distance. But as I'm sure is the case for many of you out there, one of the places I am most likely to find inspiration is the internet. And that is one of the things that I love the most about it. As cliche as it sounds, the creative world is at your fingertips as you log on and begin your search. One creative thing leads to another, which leads to another, and before you know it, you've meandered a long and winding path of inspiration from website to picture to blog post. Inspiration which may eventually lead you to the creation of your very own creative idea. It really is interesting to look back over these paths and see how creatively connected we are through the internet medium. Case in point, Sarah over at the Our Best Bites website posted a tutorial for these adorable single-serving homemade pies that you build in 4-ounce jam jars and freeze to be cooked at a later date. Thanks to Sarah's tutorial posting, Bronwyn, a favorite guest on the Knitting Pipeline podcast, discovered these pies and shared them with Paula in one of her episodes this past fall. Thanks to the Knitting Pipeline podcast, I heard about them and determined to make them for myself. Thanks to me, a few of my friends were the lucky recipients of some of these tasty homemade treats. The internet grants us access to almost unlimited creative inspiration and, as the saying goes, with great privilege comes great responsibility. Recently, the topic of creative copyrights and how they live and survive in the internet realm has once more been thrust into the spotlight. However, this discussion is not a new one. In view of this, I want to spend just a few minutes scratching the surface of Creative Commons licensing and what it means to both the internet creativity consumer and producer. Creative Commons licensing is a type of copyright for the authors of creative content, which allows them to make their content easy to share through the internet while still retaining their copyright. Here's what their website, creativecommons.org, has to say about it. The idea of universal access to research, education, and culture is made possible by the internet, but our legal and social systems don't always allow that idea to be realized. 
Copyright was created long before the emergence of the Internet and can make it hard to legally perform actions we take for granted on the network, copy, paste, edit source, and post to the web. The default setting of copyright law requires all of these actions to have explicit permission granted in advance, whether you're an artist, teacher, scientist, librarian, policymaker, or just a regular user. To achieve the vision of universal access, someone needed to provide a free, public, and standardized infrastructure that creates a balance between the reality of the internet and the reality of copyright laws. That someone is Creative Commons. Creative Commons offers six different types of licenses. The loosest license allows others to distribute, remix, tweak, and build upon their created work, even commercially, as long as they credit you for the original creation. The most restrictive license allows others to download your works and share them as long as they credit you, but they can't change them in any way or use them commercially. This is the license I have attached to the Craft Life website. This means that you can share content that I've created and made available through craftlifecentral.com in its original form in a non-commercial way, as long as you credit me as the creator. Want to post one of the tutorials to your blog or use one of the parodies in your podcast? As long as you credit CraftLife, you're good to go. If you take a look at the web page footer, you'll see the licensing information. Clicking on the license will open a page that tells you exactly how the content can be shared and give you a link to copy and paste by way of attributing the content. There are varying degrees of Creative Commons licenses available along the spectrum between these two extremes, and licenses are available which can allow work to be used both commercially and non-commercially. Creative Commons even offers the option to place your work in the public domain, granting all rights to anyone and everyone. So what does this mean to you, the content creator? Well, you can make your creative work available to the internet audience in a way that is easily accessible. Users don't have to wonder about their legal rights to share your work, and you don't have to field permission requests every time someone wants to share. And what about you, the content consumer? Well, as long as you credit the content creator, you can share Creative Commons licensed work in a non-commercial way as much as you like. Want to insert a Creative Commons photo into your next blog post or pin it to one of your Pinterest boards? As long as you attribute the picture to its original creator, go right ahead. If you're unsure about finding Creative Commons content, creativecommons.org also offers a search which allows you to find web content that is covered under a Creative Commons license. If you're interested in getting a little more in-depth information on Creative Commons, you can check out their website or give a listen to episode 115 of the Crafty Pod podcast from May of 2010, which is how I first learned about Creative Commons. Sister Diane does a great job of answering questions and offering resources and even talks to a real-life attorney. And if you have any thoughts on Creative Commons, things you like or don't like about it, or just want to share your experience with it, come on over to the Craft Life group on Ravelry and tell us what you think. As I said at the beginning of this episode, even though there hasn't been a lot of podcasting going on this past month, there has been quite a bit of crafting. One of the things I have been working on is a scarf 
from Jane Austen Knits. This is one of the Christmas gifts I was very excited to receive this past year. I was flipping through the pages, trying to, to pick out something that I could knit with yarn from my stash for myself, and I decided to go with the Frederick and Anne scarf by Kirsty Johansson. Here's what Kirsty has to say about the Frederick and Anne scarf. I came up with a delicate leaf to represent Anne's faithful belief and love for Frederick, ever resilient, as well as her renewed bloom upon acquaintance with him. For Frederick, I chose an undulating wave pattern to represent his love of the sea and ever-present life force, much like his love for and dedication to Anne. To unite these two motifs, I chose a simple garter stitch band with eyelets and a delicate Regency-esque edging. This really is an adorable pattern. It's, it's just a lovely, lovely lace scarf. And the pattern suggests using Malabrigo sock yarn, which I did not have any of in my stash because I'm fairly new to shawl knitting and not yet, I have not yet attempted sock knitting. So sock yarn is not something I tend to have a lot of at this point. Instead, I went with the gray acrylic nylon blend that I used to knit the Ishbel. The Ishbel is no longer in my possession. I gifted it to my BFF over Christmas, and I'm very glad that she has it because I know that she has given it quite a loving home. So since I no longer have an accessory made of this gray yarn, I decided to use it to knit the Frederick and Anne scarf. Well, I started it, and then I traveled home to South Carolina for a weekend in February. And I brought it with me as my travel knitting, and it was it really was great knitting for the plane. And after I got to South Carolina, I, I brought my copy of Jane Austen Knits with me, and I passed it along to my mom, and I said, Mom, thank you so much for gifting me with this magazine at Christmas time. Pick a pattern, and I will make it for you as, as kind of a thank you for the gift. And she sat there, and she flipped through the magazine, and finally when she was finished, she said, Can you knit me this? And she pointed to the Frederick and Anne scarf. <laughs> so... I immediately set aside the one that I was working on, and as as Mom requested one in a in a creamy white or or black, she wanted something very neutral that she could kind of kind of go with with a lot of different things. We headed off to a local yarn store in the Columbia area, and did a little looking around, and finally landed on two skeins of Regia silk four ply sock yarn in a light cream color. This is a 55% merino wool, 25% nylon, and 20% silk blend, and it feels so, so nice to knit with, and it's coming along quite nicely. I'm almost halfway through with the scarf, and I'm hoping to make this this year's Mother's Day gift. Uh, I've heard from some of some of the British podcasters that I listen to that their Mother's Day has already passed. So thankfully, living in America, our Mother's Day is not here yet. So I've still got some time to get that done. And as I said, it's it's coming along quite nicely. I'm almost halfway through, and I feel like I should probably put in a lifeline because I know I ran in. Uh, I'm going to run into trouble if I don't. I'm not. I've never used a lifeline before. But some of the more recent projects I've knitted, I, I know I've walked away from thinking I'm just tempting fate at this point. So maybe when I get to my 12th pattern repeat, it's 24 pattern lace repeat for the body of the scarf. I'm, I'm at pattern repeat 10. I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't even push it to 12. I, I think I may go ahead and feed the lifeline pretty soon. 
So at least that way I'll have the first half locked in. I'll let you know how that goes. And if I am foolish enough to not put a lifeline in and mess up, you'll definitely be hearing about that. <laughs> but other than that, that's kind of all the, the knitting I've been focused, I've been focusing on. Now I have linked to this to this pattern on Ravelry in the show notes for this episode. If you want to take a look at it, if you'd like to purchase it, you can purchase it from Ravelry. It's $7 US. Not all of the Jane Austen knit patterns are available for individual download, but this one is. If you take a look through the magazine and decide that you would like to knit more than one of the patterns in the magazine, I would recommend going ahead and, and buying the magazine. It retails for $14.99 US, and, and that's, that's going to be two pattern downloads. So for the cost of two individual downloads, you get many, many more patterns. And, and it's, a, it's a gorgeous magazine. It has lots of lovely articles as well. So if you haven't checked it out, I, I recommend uh, finding it and, and giving it a, a, a flip through. Another thing I've been working on, I signed up to do the Fabric Postcard Swap, which is being hosted by Louise of the Caithness Craft Collective podcast. This is my first time trying fabric postcards, but you know what? It's been a lot of fun. My recipient, I don't know if she has received her card yet, so I'm not going to share any details. But if you would like to to find out about how it went and about the outcome, I recommend going over to the Caithness Craft Collective group on Ravelry. She does have a special thread there dedicated to the fabric postcard swaps. And as this is something that Louise is hosting, I'm not going to hijack it over here. So go over to the Caithness Craft Collective group and check out all of the the, uh, the details and some pictures that have begun to pop up of all the different things people have come up with. It's been a lot of fun, and I think I would like to participate in that again in the future. I've also been doing a bit of paper craft as, as a, a sort of new addition to the website. Have you checked out the website lately? Have you seen the first installment of In a Twist? So I had the idea of, of doing sort of a, a comic cartoon thing for, for knitters and fiber lovers, but I am not a, a, a artist in the, in the drawing sense. I'm, you know, pencil and paper, I'm okay, but cartooning is, is not my forte. So I've created a, a home environment of sorts with paper and cardboard in which live a family of yarn. And that's about the best way I can describe it. So if you haven't had a chance yet, go on over to craftlifecentral.com and check out the first installment of In a Twist. First of, I hope, many more. And that pretty much sums up most of the major things that I have been working on lately. And that pretty much brings us to the end of this episode. Hey, if you haven't been over to craftlifecentral.com and checked out that audio feedback line, that number is 682-999-8409. Go over there and uh, pick it up and give me a call. The line is open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It doesn't matter what time of day you call. And you can leave me any audio feedback that your heart just desires to leave. If you have a question, you can ask it there. Anything that you might like to say, you can leave it at the audio feedback line, and I would love to share some of those on upcoming podcast episodes. So again, that number is 682-999-8409. 
course, if audio feedback is just not the way you want to go, you can always email treacleandink at hotmail.com. You can visit the website at craftlifecentral.com. On Ravelry and Facebook, my name is Treacle and Ink. And on Twitter, I'm Craftlife. And you can also check out the Craftlife group on Ravelry. Join me in the next episode when we'll talk about stitching of a different sort. Until then, thanks so much and have a great week.